Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. I once heard about a man who was approached by government officials from Finland and Russia when the border between the two countries was being solidified. His home fell square in the middle, and so they asked him, on which side of your house shall we draw the official line? It's your choice, they said. Do you prefer to live in Finland, or do you want to live in Russia? The man was torn, but ultimately he chose to live in Finland. Now the Finns were surprised by this choice. After all, this man spoke the Russian language and he had deep roots in Russian culture. Sir, don't get us wrong. We are so delighted that you want to live in Finland. But out of curiosity, why'd you choose us? To which the man replied, Well... I love Mother Russia more than anything, but at my age, I just can't take another Russian winter. (laughs) I do thank you for that courtesy laughter. I have to admit it's not really that funny of a joke, but I do think it is a timely illustration. We are tired of the lines we've drawn not to mention the way we have solidified an illusory identity based on what side of those lines we happen to fall. Because here we are in the wake of a messy and divisive election, and I think we now question how well the lines serve us, not to mention the wisdom of continuing to serve them. Now, I do need to confess, writing this sermon has been a little bit of a struggle for me because, you know, sometimes people will tell me that they don't experience my preaching as being very political. Some say this to me as a compliment and others as a criticism of my preaching. But, you know, whenever people say this to me, I always laugh at the irony of their comment because my preaching literally has only one aim, and that's to tell you about a king, a king who I believe is worthy of our deepest devotion. Or maybe I preach to tell you about his kingdom, or as the King James Version of the Bible calls it, his government. A government where freedom, love, and grace abound for all people. And then finally, I preach to remind us that by virtue of our baptism, that you and I are citizens of this kingdom. And that we have formed a covenant with our king to represent him wherever we happen to be. And so the struggle I have is this, knowing that the recent election has been in our mind and our emotional space. On the one hand, I know that elections are significant. 
that voting is a privilege and that politicians and policy yield very real consequences and that it is appropriate to care deeply about them. But on the other hand, I'm also aware that my deepest devotion cannot be to any of these things, nor my peace predicated upon the outcome of any particular election. Because whereas a democratic process is predicated on the literal and figurative drawing of lines, the kingdom I have pledged to serve is always, always, but only always in the subversive and transformative business of erasing those lines. And that is where today's reading from Joshua becomes very significant and very relevant for us. You see, the people of Israel have just entered the land of Canaan. After a long period of waiting, there is difficulty and tension behind them and both excitement and uncertainty about what lies ahead. And in the midst of all that uncertainty and joy and fear and anxiety and gratitude and whatever else it is that they happen to be feeling about where this journey has brought them and what it all means, Joshua, their leader, calls a timeout. And he gathers all the people together. And what he basically tells them is that there is only one line that we need to draw here. And that's the question of who or what we will serve. Choose this very day whom you will serve, he says. It can be the gods your ancestors served beyond the river. It can be the gods of the Amorites. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is a moment when I believe that our work as a church is to pause, to take a deep breath, and to heed Joshua's admonition, choose this day whom you will serve. Because, my friends, the whole point of the Christian faith, amidst the ups and the downs, the stable and the chaotic, the hard and the easy, is to consciously and repetitively and wholeheartedly say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And this choice can never be synonymous with the backing of any one particular party or candidate. Now, it is okay, and it's very, very healthy to have political preferences. It's healthy to love democracy. It's healthy to care deeply about policy. But as Christians, we always understand that nothing is more fundamental to our identity than baptism. The church is not red. The church is not blue. The church is not purple. No, the church is that place where the lines we love to draw 
are taken far less seriously than the Lord who died to erase them. Now, in the Episcopal Church, we have a wonderful liturgy we use whenever we decide it's time to make a conscious choice to rededicate our heart to God. It's called the reaffirmation of our baptismal covenant. And the reaffirmation of this covenant is something that we are expected to do several times a year. And one of the things I'm really present to is that we as a church have not reaffirmed our commitment to this covenant since the pandemic began in March. And so we're going to do that here in a bit. But before that happens, there are a few things I want to remind us about the nature of this kingdom to which we pledge our ultimate loyalty. First, the one aim of this kingdom, the one aim, is to reconcile the whole world to God and the human race with one another. In other words, worldly distinctions don't really matter that much in Jesus' kingdom. As Paul says in Galatians, in Christ there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, those were the distinctions that mattered in Paul's day, but of course, we could add our own. In Christ, there is no longer Republican or Democrat, black or white, virtual or in person, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, meaning that the work of the kingdom of God is always the work of reconciliation. Second, the means the means by which God's kingdom advances and heals the world is not the same as any worldly political system. In the kingdom of God, pressure, finger-pointing, and disciplinary power are all out of place. Because this kingdom that we serve, it gains ground through sacrament, prayer, loving action, listening, compassionate community, forgiveness, truth. Now, I do understand that these means can be very hard to trust in these days. After all, they're not very efficient, nor do they allow us to control the outcome of things, and they certainly require trust. But now more than ever, we as a church need to remember how it is that God's kingdom grows and heals and saves. You see, a choice to serve the Lord is not just a choice to care about what God cares about. It's also a choice to trust the means the Lord has provided to heal and save the world. And then finally, last but not least, the kingdom we pledge to serve is a kingdom for which we wait. The wise women in today's parable were the ones who stayed awake. They were alert, and they understood the importance of a watchful and expectant heart. And friends, never has it been easier for us to fall into a collective slumber by getting lost in punditry, or by giving in to our cynicism or our unbridled enthusiasm or by actually believing that the lines we draw 
define us. You see, the mystery of God's kingdom is that it is always both fully present now and yet not yet fully revealed. Meaning that a choice to serve the Lord is always a choice to stay awake, to keep alert, and to watch with expectancy. Last thing I want to say, please, please do not forget. It is not really we who choose the Lord. We do not choose the Lord. It is the Lord who has chosen us. All of us. It is not we who serve the Lord, but rather the Lord who emptied himself, took the form of a slave, died on a cross in order to serve us. And Jesus went to that cross with great love for both Republican and Democrat, for Joe and for Donald, for you and for me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that all who believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I would submit that the only way that we can bring healing to this world is by continually reaffirming our commitment to that love. And whenever the church makes an intentional choice to respond to God's love in tangible and concrete ways, we give it a name. We call that serving the Lord. And at St. Michael's, that is what we will continue to do. We will serve the Lord in times of anxiety, and in times of calm. We will serve the Lord in pandemics, and when pandemics cease. We will serve the Lord in life, and we will serve the Lord in death. And this we will do because the King we proclaim has chosen to serve us. Joshua said, Choose this day whom you will serve. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord who brought us out of the house of slavery. Therefore we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Amen.